I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. Feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Take a look at this country through her eyes if you really want to see something. This is your Mad Prophet of the Airwaves, and welcome once again to Radio Free Canada, news notes and opinions from the underground for Friday, January 20th in the year of our Lord, 2023. And good afternoon to everyone but the 20-year-old washed-up child actress Greta Thunberg. Still dressing and acting like a 13-year-old, but fooling no one at this point. Nor did her performance in Germany earlier this week fool anyone when she posed with German police who staged her phony arrests at a demonstration against coal. You remember coal? That stuff they have to burn in Germany now since they've mothballed their nuclear plants in order to produce electricity and keep their factories running and keep people employed so they can buy food. And to produce heat during the winter so Germans don't freeze to death. And amazingly, amazingly, the German police released Greta Thunberg just in time for her command performance at the World Economic Forum, where, of course, she is getting a pass from the fawning 
so-called journalists over there. However, she didn't get a pass from Rebel News, who called her out on her hypocrisy. Have a listen to this. Greta, how many times did you rehearse your arrest at the German coal mine? How many times did you rehearse it? Because it looks staged. You can Is it true? Okay. How many times did you re- rehearse your arrest? Greta, how many times did you film your arrest and why was it staged that way? Greta, considering you've not spent much time in school, how do you know so much about climate change? Greta, maybe you want to talk to real journalists. Uh, what did you talk to you, you hear in uh, Davos? Were they successful? Greta, as a real journalist, is climate change as real as your arrest? Greta, how far are you willing to go? You're willing to break the law. Will you renounce violence? Will you renounce violence, Greta? Or do you support Antifa? You've worn an Antifa shirt before. Are you in favor of Antifa? Greta, how did you get here today? What was your climate footprint in traveling here? (laughs) And that's about all she can offer. Titter, titter, titter. Then they asked her, are you going to condemn all of the WEF elites who flow who flew into Davos on their private jets, Greta? Titter, titter, titter. How did you arrive in Davos, Greta? Did you fly in on a private jet? Titter, titter, titter. Did you stage your arrest in Germany, Greta? Titter, titter, titter. Okay. See, I uh I guess she was I guess she was somewhat endearing for about five minutes when she first took the stage when we all assumed based on her demeanor and her looks, that she was a mere child. But now that gig is up. She's an adult. And now we realize she's completely out of her depth. She knows nothing about climate change or economics or energy. She's an actress. And she's been exposed. Like our crime minister. When she's without a script, she freezes. Like a deer caught in the headlights. So it's time she goes back to... uh, it's time she goes back to Sweden and start a life. Maybe start a family. Maybe finish school. I don't know. Learn a skill. What would she be? She could work in a coal mine. There's an idea. She could pump gas. Maybe she should try that. Um, she's about as, um, well, she's, I guess, on an intellectual par with uh, former Vice President Al Gore. Who has becoming who has become rather unimaginably wealthy by uh, profiting off of the uh, climate scam? Listen, this is worth uh, one more listen. I played it earlier this week. It's but it's worth one more listen. This deranged, unhinged man, and it becomes quickly apparent the uh, cheese has finally slid off the cracker. We're going to bring these emissions down, and and just to put the science in a slightly different context. People are familiar with that thin blue line that the uh, astronauts bring back in their pictures from space. That's the, that's the part of the atmosphere that has oxygen, the troposphere. Uh, and it's only five to seven kilometers thick. That's what we're using as an open sewer. If you could drive a car straight up in the air at interstate highway speeds, you get to the top of that blue line in five minutes. And all the greenhouse gas pollution would be below you. We're still putting 162 million tons into it every single day. And the accumulated amount 
is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate refugees predicted to reach one billion in this century. Look at the xenophobia and political authoritarian trends that have come from just a few million refugees. What about a billion? We would lose our capacity for self-governance on this world. We have to act. So in answer to your question, I would say we have to have a sense of urgency much greater than we have yet had. And we need have had and we need to make some changes. CO2 is boiling our oceans. Our oceans are boiling. Who knew? Seriously? Did you notice that our oceans are boiling? Rain bombs? What on earth is a rain bomb? A billion climate refugees? I mean, he sounds increasingly like a desperate man, like a wounded animal. The lies get bigger. The claims get more and more ridiculous because he's panicking. He realizes he's losing his grip. It's over. He's lost the room. I mean, he lost the room a long time ago. He's losing. He, he's losing his grip on the cult. People are waking up and they are walking away. And that's a good thing. But what a sad and pathetic man. I mean, I'm almost tempted, almost tempted to feel bad for this sad sack. Except, of course, he is such a huge hypocrite, like all of them over there at the WEF, including Greta. His um, his climate change hypocrisy is as big as his energy sucking mansion. There's a, a few years ago, Gore claimed that he lives a carbon free lifestyle. The uh, the electricity bills from his mansion his ten thousand square foot mansion in Tennessee. Say otherwise, however, the uh, the National Center for Public Policy Research did an analysis on uh, Gore's Tennessee home, they said it guzzles more electricity in one year than the average American family uses in 21 years. In one month back in 2017, the report found Gore's home consumed more electricity than the average family uses in 34 months. In one month, the electricity used just to heat Al Gore's swimming pool would power six homes for a year. And this after Gore spent tens of thousands of dollars installing green upgrades, which basically he was embarrassed into doing when his energy hogging home first came to uh, to light about uh, 15 years ago. And then getting back to this NCPPR report, that's the um, National Center for Public Policy Research. Gore's home used more electricity after he installed solar panels than he did in uh, 2007 before he installed them. So this idea of uh, a carbon-free living, where does that come from? Well, from climate offsets, right? He claims that he pays into a climate offset fund. And these groups, these climate offset groups, they've sprung up claiming people can erase their carbon footprints simply by writing a check for a few hundred dollars. And there are some, apparently, some of these groups that are supposedly on the up and up, but there's a lot of scammers out there. Atlantic, even liberal Atlantic magazine 
They wrote about this, investigated international law enforcement authorities and environmental advocates say that the carbon markets are extremely vulnerable to financial fraudsters. Their shell games can also be hard to spot. Beyond that, it's not entirely clear that uh, legitimate offset programs are actually offsetting whatever Al Gore is producing. In an article published by the journal Nature a few years ago, Kevin Anderson, deputy director of the Tyndall Center for Climate Change Research at the University of Manchester, argued offsets were worse than doing nothing. Al Gore says he buys carbon offsets to account for all of the CO2 his home and lifestyle produce. For example, he pays $432 a month into a green power switch program that helps fund renewable energy projects in Tennessee. But getting back to Kevin Anderson, he writes, it is without scientific legitimacy. It is dangerously misleading and almost certainly contributes to a net increase in the absolute rate of global emissions growth, he wrote. So got that? Got that? Offsets are without scientific legitimacy. A 2015 analysis by the Stockholm Environmental Institute said about 75% of the offset programs used by countries to trade CO2 credits as part of the Kyoto Protocol, are unlikely to represent additional emissions reductions. In fact, the offset program may have resulted in an additional 600 million tons of CO2 emitted than would have occurred without them, which is good. I mean, we need more CO2, actually. We're on a CO2 starvation diet. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Oh, 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 O'Reilly! It's Superstart Battery Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Get up to a $25 gift card after rebate with the purchase of select Superstart batteries. Our professional parts people will test your old battery for free and recommend the right battery for your vehicle. For power, performance, and reliability, choose Superstart batteries only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. So, Al Gore still peddling false information about how the planet is doomed and also peddling more false information about how he can save his mansion and his uh, zero carbon footprint as well. All right, coming up on the show today, the wonderful, amazing Greg Carrasco, host of The Greg Carrasco Show, will be here. And uh, around 538, I'm calling this conversation WEFWTF. Uh, Zach Bodenstein, Mississauga Steelheads commentator, will be here to talk a little uh, OHL and Mississauga Steelhead hockey. Stella Morabito is our feature interview today. 
In the second hour, she's the author of The Weaponization of Loneliness, How Tyrants Stoke Our Fear of Isolation to Silence, Divide, and Conquer. The Sofa Cinephile will be here this hour, unpacking the 4K edition of the 1982 horror thriller Poltergeist. Can't wait for that. But coming up next, another one of my fine conservative colleagues right here on Saga 960, Mark Petrone, host of the Mark Petrone Show, Heard weekdays, 1 to 3 p.m. will be here. We'll talk about the WEF, CONFAB, the resignation of New Zealand tyrant Jacinda Ardern, and more. The Richard Serrett Show, off and running for Friday, January 20th. Keep your stick on the ice. We're back as The Richard Serrett Show continues on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. How many times did you rehearse your arrest at the German coal mine? How many times did you rehearse? Because it looks staged. Is it true? How many times did you rehearse your arrest, Greta? (laughs) All she can manage in reply is titter, 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 titter. Mark Petrone, the great Mark Petrone, living in self-imposed exile in the free state of Florida, joins us now, the host of the Mark Petrone Show, heard weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. here on Saga 960. Mark, how are you? Excellent, Richard. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Uh, Listen, it's it's looking more and more like a circus, but it would have been funny if uh, she had actually answered Ezra Levant's question. You know, like, well, we rehearsed it about uh, half a dozen times just to make sure we got it right. Uh, yeah, she, but, she reminds uh, me of uh, she reminds me of our own prime minister when he doesn't have a teleprompter or a script in front of him. He's absolutely frozen like a deer caught in the headlights. He really is. But I mean, what do we make of all this? I mean, when you've got the Pakistani foreign affairs minister coming out and speaking openly about the need for a, a new world order, actually using terms like that, Klaus Schwab talking about being the pope of of the future and, t- and taking ownership of the future. I mean, clearly he feeds into the narcissism of these people gathered at this thing, you know, the, uh, the egos who think that they are the decision makers. They're the ones who are going to seize the future, decide what the future looks like. And the people back home, they can pound sand. Exactly. Now here's um, something I've been asking people throughout the week. And so I want to put it to you. Do you think it's, it's time that let's assume that Pierre Polyev and the conservatives form the next government, whatever that might be, hopefully sooner than later, uh, that there'd be an outright ban on any elected official in Canada having any affiliation with the WEF. Or do you think there is some value in sending someone over there to have a seat at the table and to listen to, you know, what nonsense and, and uh, you know, evil machinations they're up to? I don't know. I don't really like bands per se. Uh, if they want to pay their own way, I say, you know, go for it. Uh, as long as the people who elected you know that uh, you're going over there, what you're going to be doing over there. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't really like the idea of just saying, you know, for, you, know you are forbidden from, from going from attending that because then, you know, what if there's another function? You know, do you ban something else? Um, so that's that's kind of my take on that. If people want to go, well, that's their business. But, uh, you know, I think it sends a message to the people back home. You know, you cannot be both loyal to the folks at home and this globalist body. There's just no way. You can't serve two masters 
Richard, and I, I know you know that. I mean, either you are serving the interests of the people who elected you, or you're serving the interests of the, the World Economic Forum. You can't, you can't do both. Exactly. I mean, I would uh, certainly at a federal level, if I'm prime minister, I'm not going to I'm not going to send any of my cabinet ministers. I'm not going to allow um, government uh, anyone in the government benches, in other words, to go over there. If the liberals or the NDP are going to send someone over, that's their business. And they can do that on the on their you know pay for by the from the party coffers. But for me, it would be like sending someone over. I don't know, to to Venezuela uh, for a conference on democracy or to North Korea for a conference <laughs> on human rights. Yeah, absolutely. So it's nice to see a lot of these leaders. Uh, they didn't go. I mean, if you look at the people who attended, uh, there was no Joe Biden. There was no Justin Trudeau. These people know how toxic this organization is. I mean, even arch globalists like uh, George Soros and, and Bill Gates, they declined to go. And so, you know, for all their talk of being this uh, huge gathering of world leaders, I think more and more are sensing that uh, they don't want to be associated with this organization, that uh, every time they open their mouths, they push this agenda, that they are the ones who are going to be making the decisions. Earlier, I played this uh, clip from Al Gore, uh, and I was saying, you know, the cheese is completely slid off the cracker with this guy. He's talking about climate change, of course. Meanwhile, he's raking in tens of billions or hundreds of millions of dollars from this climate scam. But he's talking about, you know, our oceans are boiling. And and uh, uh, and then we had um, former UK prime minister uh, Tony Blair talking about, you know, we we need a uh, a digital ID system to keep track of everyone's vaccines and, and so forth. They are sounding increasingly strident, which to me sort of telegraphs a bit of a uh, I don't know, a, a panic as, as if they 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 are realizing they're losing the room. What do you think? Well, there's no doubt about that. I mean, if you go back 10 years uh, ago, you know, a handful of people were uh, attending these, I mean, from a, a journalistic standpoint, were attending these functions, uh, you know, people, voices in the wilderness talking about these people pushing a new world order, uh, a very totalitarian agenda. And, uh, you know, compare that to what we have today, where people uh, like Ezra and others are confronting leaders, confronting people like, like Greta uh, and others getting right in their face, Albert Bourla you know, being uh, subjected to a grilling at the hands of, of reporters who wanted to know uh, why these people hid the fact that these, uh, that these vaccines were not only not effective, but potentially dangerous. And as more and more of this stuff comes out, I think uh, people are getting more wary about it. And so, yeah, they, they have reason to panic over there. I think they know that it's... Uh, reaching a point where they're losing the room, they're losing people, they understand that their agenda is very unpopular, not just unpopular, but very unpopular. And the lack of trust there is, is in these organizations is palpable. And so, yeah, I think that there is a sense of panic around these people. Fantastic. Mark, we'll take a quick time. I'll come back and uh, discuss further. Mark Petroni, host of The Mark Petroni Show, heard weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. right here on Saga 960. Back with more of our conversation in about two minutes. Let's get back at it on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. It's the Richard Serra Show. All right, we are back with Mark Petrone, host of the Mark Petrone Show, heard weekdays 1 to 3 p.m. here on Saga 960. 
and he is checking in from his uh, home in the free state of Florida. Um, Jacinda Arden, arguably, uh, I mean, the worst of the worst when it came to COVID restrictions, locked that country down completely, you know, after the uh, the discovery of one COVID case, uh, you know, uh, just incredible hardship um, on the people of New Zealand. Now she's she's said her teary goodbye suddenly, unexpectedly saying she'll step down be at February the 7th at the latest citing. Oh, she's burned out. Uh, I mean, she's she's heading into an election. Her party, the Labour Party, really getting hammered in the polls. So I guess she saw the writing on the wall. But do you think there's anything else afoot here? Do, do you think she's these are like the covid rats getting off the, the sinking ship? What do you what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it is. I think these people realize that they uh, overplayed their hand when it came to these uh, very restrictive measures. This is what happens when these people get a whiff of more power than they've been allotted by the people. They uh, they just become drunk with it, and then they keep going to town, and then they get egged on by you know people, uh, bureaucracies, and other countries saying, "Yeah, you go, you know, do what you need to do." And so uh, she uh, she milked it for all it was worth. And so what has transpired is that she's despised in her country, in New Zealand. And, uh, you know, all that hate. I mean, these people still have to live. They still have to go out in the community. They know what people are saying about them. They know how much people despise what they did and will never forget. I mean, <laughs> I half-jokingly posted a list of countries that do not have an extradition treaty with New Zealand online. I said, you know, you might want to look at this, uh, Jacinda, in case uh, you, you have to seek asylum somewhere because people are not going to forget what she did. And other leaders now, the Justin Trudeau's of the world, they feel it slipping away as well. They know they screwed up and now they're going to have to pay the price. Uh, which, yeah, leads us into that whole discussion of, of the, the situation here in Canada. The latest Nanos research poll came out. The conservatives are up by, I think, eight, eight points over the liberals. Um, but when you consider that Trudeau was, I mean, I joked yesterday, not half the man that she was, just said <laughs> Arden, um, but um, still, you know, just uh, appallingly uh, bad decision making and, and uh, you know, just stomping all over the charter and so forth. We know the, the the grisly details, but the fact that he is only eight points back and I mean, theoretically could eke out another, I don't know, minority government with the support of the NDP in the next election. I don't know. What does this say about the conservative party or is it the electorate that they maybe they just don't know Polyev yet, but he, the, the conservatives should be out. This should be a tap in, right? An empty net goal. They should be up by 20 points. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. 
call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Yeah, it should be a layup, but it's still a solid lead. I mean, uh, I think Pierre Polyev is still kind of an unknown entity. And remember, you've got the media uh, pushing this idea that this guy's an extremist, he's unlikable, that uh, he's a radical, he's too far out there. And so despite all that, I think the numbers that really stood out for me recently was in Ontario, which, let's face it, uh, is the straw that stirs the drink. They'll just they'll make the ultimate decision. I know a lot of people outside Ontario think, well, you know, I don't really believe that or I don't want to believe it. But they, they know deep down that most of the seats are in Ontario. GTA uh, is a huge indicator. And guess what? He's, he's starting to lose people in uh, Mississauga, in Oakville, uh, in Brampton. People are not happy with what he did. And uh, they're ready for change. And you could feel it. And so when you look at numbers, the recent numbers, the Nanos numbers, with uh, the conservatives up to 41 percent, a little over 41 percent, while the uh, liberals are in the low 30s, 31, 32 percent, you know, that's a real indicator that uh, that the liberals are in deep trouble. And I think uh, if you look at Trudeau recently, uh, in a particularly grumpy mood, I'm sure you saw that recent soundbite where he uh, belligerently and angrily went after Justin or, or went after Pierre Polyev. To me, that's an indicator that he knows that he's trailing. And uh, who knows? There may be maybe an, an election sooner than later. We see the NDP coming out with an ultimatum saying, uh, you know, if you don't pass Pharmacare by the end of this year, it's over. And uh, who knows? Jagmeet Singh may decide that uh, knowing that, that the liberals are not going to pass it, uh, may just decide to pull the plug, even though they're broke. So, but we'll have to see. Yeah, that's my fear. The NDP are broke. They're not ready for an election. They can't afford one. Uh, Jagmeet Singh has to somehow survive until 2025 to qualify for his pension so that he can continue to buy himself fancy watches. And for Trudeau, you know, what's in it for him to head into an election where he could likely face defeat? My concern is these two are going to try and, 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 and hold on to power until 2025. And I don't know if the country can survive it. Yeah, I mean, they've done unbelievable amounts of damage to the country, and they continue to do so. I mean, if you look at our debt, for instance, we're approaching a trillion and a half. I mean, tens of billions of dollars we're spending just on interest payments. And, of course, as rates go up, you know, all that just uh, skyrockets. And so, yeah, it's it's not a good time in Canada. And, you know, if and when the Conservatives take over, they got a big job ahead of them. You know, they're going to be walking in, and it's just going to be – a disaster when they inherit power in, the, in, in Canada. Mark, great to talk to you again. Uh, continue to enjoy your self-imposed exile in the free state of Florida and uh, hope to talk again soon, my friend. Richard, great being on the show. Thank you so much. Continued success on, uh, on Saga 960. Same to you, buddy. Mark Petrone, host of the Mark Petrone Show, week, weekdays, 1 to 3 p.m., right here on Saga at 960 a.m. All right, why don't we open up the phone lines, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. Just ahead of the sofa cinephile 
and uh, Christopher Garitano will be here to unpack Poltergeist, Poltergeist, the uh, 4K edition. Back with more of the Richard Serrett Show right here on Saga 960. Don't go away. You're listening to the Richard Serrett Show on Newstock Saga 960 AM. All right, welcome back. Get on board. The number to call 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. If you want to talk about the World Economic Forum, if you want to talk about Greta Thunberg, I think being totally exposed and outed as a complete fraud, just a washed up childhood actor, now 20 years old, not fooling anyone at this point, and uh, basically cornered in the streets of Davos at the World Economic Forum by uh, Ezra Levant and Rebel News and asked a series of um, important questions that she's never been asked before. She's just been given law ball questions her entire career as a so-called climate activist, uh, fawned over, embarrassingly so, by the mainstream media. And uh, now that she's actually asked tough questions, all she can manage is to... uh, to laugh awkwardly and continue walking. All right, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. And uh, let's see, I'm not sure who we have here. Someone calling from Toronto, I believe. Oh, you're giving me the stretch symbol, the international number to stretch. Um, all right. <laughs> anonymous. It's anonymous. I don't know. It's an- no, I was I wasn't referring to you, anonymous. I meant the the lady that was talking before you, the recorded artificial intelligence lady. Uh-huh. That must have been my ulterior. Okay, voice. it's anonymous, ladies and gentlemen. Here to wax philosophical. <laughs> Richard, first of all, I follow your suggestion once a week. <laughs> right? I kept uh, quiet because I let everyone else, whoever wanted to call you, so I, I decided to call right now because that would be missing a week. But you told I me appreciate it. All right, so this is your one call for the week, Anonymous. Make it a yeah. good one. Yeah, well, I try. You know, maybe like 20, 30 years ago when Jordan Peterson was uh, doing TV or um, some kind of lectures about all this philosophical, psychological stuff, I remember he brought up this yin and yang concept of the forces of chaos and order. Now, I in uh, I didn't know uh, what will happen now, but since he's not now so much into all this uh, in the world, his name reverberating uh, everywhere. So just to say that uh, it is true, and uh, what I want to say, the Klaus Schwab also is connected to this all this idea, the new world order, whether it's chaos uh, forces are rising or not, all this uh, different like um, you know countries rising, countries falling. There are all kinds of uh, questions. How can we bring world in a better order. That's the question, right? You know, better order has to do with health. When we have good order, we call it healthy world or healthy person when we are in good order. So what I want to say that it's uh, I'm not so like um, like anti all these uh, concepts as far as enlightenment and bringing some kind of more ordered uh, thing in the world because we want to live in a, world, a healthier world. Maybe what these globalists have not done, they maybe have not communicated the vision clearly enough. And uh, oh, maybe I think, been, like, I think they've been abundantly clear, anonymous. I think they've been abundantly clear, and um, that's why people are starting to push back because but, their their values their values do not align with the values of a a free 
democratic people who believe in private property and and uh, entrepreneurship and individual rights. Um, I, I, I don't think they could be more clear that they oppose, they stand in opposition to these things. Maybe what I think is, uh, again, still we, there is obviously like all this, uh, you know, resistance, like you say, uh, a lot of people rising in different countries against uh, this organization. But, uh, you know, what comes to me, uh, to mind, there's one, uh, I don't know, it's not so famous story, but it's called, maybe you know, it's, it's called Lioness's Milk. And uh, there's a concept that uh, there was a king who was sick, like we're talking about world governments or those, so, so, like you say, stakeholders, whatever the uh, word you're using, uh, whoever's in the uh, people who are like moving, so to say, who are those who are ahead, so to say. And the story goes that the king, uh, the king was sick and... Um, all people agreed that there was a way to uh, the sim- symbolism is uh, the government is sick, like the sick head is a sick body, right? So there was a way to bring this uh, health to the king, to the uh, whoever leaders are of this world. And if they were healed, so to say, the whole world would be benefited. And uh, there was a wise man in, the, in that generation, and he was uh, he found a way, so to say, to do that. But the problem was that it, uh, it was not cooper- like there was not a cooperation with the tongue, so to say. This, uh, this wise man was in parts, and he had the tongue, so to say, and the tongue had to be like delivering, answering questions, clarifying certain things. And until all these things were clarified, uh, th- there was no benefit to not to the king, not to the kingdom, to, to the wise man as well. But there was a positive ending of it. And uh, what I want to say, it happened when the uh, tongue was cooperated with and supported and protected by the rest of the body of this, uh, so to say, entity which had this lion's milk. And that was available. And uh, if you like, I don't know, I don't ha- I don't know if I have time uh, to talk about. No, no, we're, things, we don't. We're, do we're actually you. anonymous. I'm sorry. We're over. We're over yeah. time. Yeah. One. OK, just one more thing. If you call me. Richard, one thing. If you call me off the air, let the number on your display, I'll tell you a little bit more. If you like it, we can bring it more. But uh, there's Alliance Milk available, and uh, there's uh, hope for this world, and we are right. moving there. But uh, we have to understand it. Anyway, Anonymous, thank you. Too close. <laughs> I appreciate your call. Well, the problem is that the people um, who are advocating for things like depopulation and uh, mass uh inoculation and a a biomedical security state, they're the ones that are creating the problems. So I'm not looking to them to solve our problems. We're best solving our problems first within the family household, then within the local government, then maybe provincially and federally. But certainly I'm not looking to places like Brussels to solve my problems. I'll take care of them on my own. Thank you very much. All right. When we come back, Poltergeist, the 4K edition. We'll uh, preview that. The Sofa Cinephile, Christopher Garitano, is next on The Richard Serrett Show. Stay with us. Back to the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. The Sofa Cinephile on The Richard Serrett Show. The determination as to whether your home is haunted is not very easy. It might be a poltergeist. Would your family welcome a serious investigation of these disturbances? I just want you to find her, little girl. Your dog had just a lot of Christmas house. Mm-hmm. terrible presence is in there with you. Mm-hmm. I've never since Kenneth Joe Hyman. 
There you go. Poltergeist, 1982, American supernatural horror film directed by Toby Hooper, written by Steven Spielberg, starring Joe Beth Williams, Craig T. Nelson, uh, the late Heather O'Rourke, who died tragically young. And uh, here to unpack the new 4K edition, the sofa cinephile, Christopher Garitano, co-creator, executive producer, co-host of the History Channel's The Dark Files and host of the wildly popular Off to the Witch podcast hey chris welcome back how are you thank you i'm doing well so uh the 4k edition this is uh uh 40 40 years just a little over 40 years since poltergeist came out um for those who haven't seen it there may be one or two on the planet somewhere <laughs> just give us kind of a, a, a an overall summary of the film Sure. It's about the uh, Freeling family living in a uh, development in California and, you know, little daughter, little son, little older daughter, husband and wife. And out of the blue, because they were already living in the house for a bit, some weird stuff starts happening and start things start moving around the house and they start hearing things and then their daughter carol ann disappears and there's a quest to find her and what happened to her and the uh, activity in the house increases and this was based on richard matheson's uh short story called little girl lost and it was also a twilight zone episode so that's that's the strong basis for this but it also has some basis it's some true accounts as well Right. Uh, great cast as well. Craig T. Nelson. I mentioned Joe Beth Williams. Very tragic story about uh, the little girl, Heather O'Rourke, who who died, um, I guess, just was it just after the movie was made? Actually, she died while they were making part three, ah. unfortunately. And if you remember at the end, if you had seen the third one at the very end of the film, when she's rescued, it is not her. And you don't see her face again for the last 10 minutes of the movie. Ah, interesting. All right. What do you think of uh, here we are 40 uh, years later? Does it still stand up? As oh, a yes. Yeah. yeah, I was in shock because I just recently got the film. I saw it at the drive in with my parents when I was a little kid. OK, so that's when I first saw it. And it blew me away as a kid. And I revisited it here and there. And obviously, I'm a you know connoisseur of uh, the history of Toby Hooper, the director, and of course, Steven Spielberg. But um, the movie does hold up. And this is one of the probably one of the best remastered versions in 4K that I've seen. I mean, I was I was blown away and hearing it and seeing it on a on a nice big screen TV. uh, I was I was captivated again. It was like I was I was seeing it again for the first time and I hadn't seen it that way in a long time. So I was reanalyzing the picture as I went along. All right. So you you got to tell me about the uh, the corpses in the swimming pool sequence. All right. I think that was Toby Hooper's contribution. He had used real corpses in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And the legend is that they're a lot cheaper than getting the plastic ones made. And Craig Reardon, who did the special effects, decided he was going to use real skeletons. And they did. So those are all real corpses in the swimming pool sequence at the end. Wow. I I didn't even know that that was legal. I mean, Yeah, I wrote a whole passage about this in my film about Toby Hooper, uh, my screenplay called South Texas Blues, where he is getting the skeletons for Texas Chainsaw and they get them from labs and skeleton farms over in India. And um, they're very cheap. (laughs) Oh, boy. Wow. Uh, Very quickly. Was there, you know, this legend about the set being cursed, true or false? 
It depends on what you believe in, I suppose. Um, a lot happened, and you know, I, there's a you know the older actress uh, in the picture who plays the elder sister was murdered shortly after the film came out in theaters. Oh wow! Oh dear. Yeah, and a lot of other things happened. So I don't know. It depends on what you believe in, I suppose. All right. How does it look on 4K? Best I've seen. One of the best 4K releases. Not just saying it. I was I was actually taken by it. I was like, wow, they did a fantastic job. Loved looking at it, listening to it. What other goodies do you get in the 4K edition? You get a really, really fantastic documentary, a two-part documentary. And one of the subjects of the documentary is Dr. Barry Taff, parapsychologist, UCLA. And this was also based on his dynamic, the Thelma Moss, uh, UCLA parapsychology department of the early 70s, Barry Taff. So the parapsychology unit in Poltergeist was based off of his relationship with Thelma Moss. He actually consulted on the film. Oh, very cool. All right. And uh, so the 4K edition of Poltergeist available, big box stores, Amazon. Everywhere. It's available everywhere because it was just one of those movies. Fantastic. Chris, how do we listen to Off to the Witch? Go wherever you find your podcasts and check out Off to the Witch. Huge variety of subjects. And our latest is about encounters from beyond. All right, Chris, great speaking with you again. We'll talk again next week. Thank you. First we filled your mind. Now, let's twist it. This is the Lim Riddler. All right, here he is looking tanned and trimmed. The Lim Riddler from Eponema goes walking. <laughs> hey, Richard. How are Happy you? Happy Friday. Friday. Happy Friday. Good to have you back. Good, uh, good to see you. Sorry I missed last week. I was stuck in deepest, darkest Costa Rican jungle with venomous snakes and jaguars and ocelots and very, very scary internet connections. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that, is, that is scary. Ooh. <laughs> no internet. 3K. Yikes. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're looking for a one word answer that answers all of the clues in this Lim Riddle. And uh, you want to send your one word answer to info at limriddles.com. Uh, while you're at um, uh, limriddles.com, be sure to subscribe. That way you get the uh, Lim Riddle delivered right to your email inbox every Friday because it's always easier to read it when it's right in front of you on the uh, the website rather than to hear it on the radio. So that being said, Lim Riddler, what do we have? Well, today's uh, Lim Riddle is, uh, is a bit about expressing stress, especially, especially by your teeth, your molars. Uh-huh. Um, and and it, and it goes like this: Molars express all the stresses they feel. Dull, boring jobs are a daily ordeal. Rotating hips with provocative dips. Wheat meets its match at the millstone and wheel. Oh, all right. That's your limb riddle for this week. It's called Molars Feel the Stress. Again, looking for a one-word answer. Send it to info at limriddles.com. Info at limriddles.com while you're there subscribe and then be listening just before the news at six when i reveal the answer to this week's Lim riddle and announce the names of the winners including the winner of a pair of tickets to see the mississauga steelheads at home against the niagara ice dogs this sunday jan 22nd at 2 p.m at the paramount fine food center awesome all right Lim riddler great work we'll talk again next week my friend great thanks richard talk to you later bye for now bye for now 
the Lim <laughs> Solve this puzzle, the Lim Riddler, every Friday at 4.50 on the Richard Serrett Show on Saga 960 AM. All right, Hour 2 awaits. Stella Morbido, author of The Weaponization of Loneliness, is coming up in Hour 2. Stay with us. The views expressed in the following program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of Saga 960 AM or its management. Seeking truth and justice in a battleground of deception and corruption, this is The Richard Serrett Show. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! We must not allow ourselves to be intimidated. Our task is not only to win the battle, but to win the war. what i do i meddle with the primal forces of nature and one day i will atone i suppose welcome to hour two of the richard sarrett show if you missed hour one you missed a lot but don't despair still plenty of great programming coming your way this hour including the great greg carrasco my fine conservative colleague here on saga 960 heard saturday mornings 8 to 11 he'll be here we'll talk a little bit about the uh wef Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. And uh, we'll uh, also maybe play a little bit of that audio where uh, Rebel News, Ezra Levant and uh, company, uh, I think nicely exposed uh, the washed up child actress, Greta Thunberg. She didn't have a script. She didn't have a teleprompter and uh, didn't have any answers for some pretty honest and tough questions that she's never been asked before. Uh, also, Zach Bodenstein, commentator for the Mississauga Steelheads, a little OHL uh, hockey talk coming up this hour. But first, the Weaponization of Loneliness offers the first deep dive into how power elites weaponize the fear of loneliness to enforce social conformity and wage war on the private sphere 
of life. The author is Stella Morbido, and her essays have appeared in various other publications, including the Washington Examiner, American Greatness, Public Discourse, Town Hall, and the Human Life Review. And Stella served for a decade as an analyst at the CIA, where she focused on communist media, propaganda, and disinformation. She has a master's degree in Russian and Soviet history from the University of Southern California. Stella, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on, Richard. My pleasure. So, uh, first of all, let's establish uh, who the they are uh, that are weaponizing uh, fear and loneliness. Who is the they here? Well, I'm talking about your basic control freak, uh, you know, power elites, those who can't do without a sense of control over pe- other people. And, uh, you know, this this happens in various levels in life. I mean, you have your toxic boss, you have the, the cult leader, uh, and, and of course, you have your world-class dictators. Today, you've got your corporate CEOs and, and uh, media moguls and, you know, just anybody who really has that attitude or that totalitarian impulse to um, socially control uh, people. And what we saw at the World Economic Forum is, you know, the idea of controlling all of society globally. So, um, and as you point out, I mean, as as humans, part of our... Our humanness is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the need to belong. And so mm-hmm. they they use that against us. Explain how. Yes. And it's not only the need to belong, which is very hardwired into us. That need to belong has a flip side, which is a primal terror, really, of fear, of ostracism, of being cast into the outer darkness or just cast out of society. And uh, this has, a, you know, a huge sway upon a lot of uh, human behavior. And uh, so because this is so natural, because we are social animals, it's so natural. Uh, it's something that is actually a vulnerability if we're not really aware of how easily exploited it can be and is. It's very it's been very easily exploited. In my book, I talk about how it's happened throughout history, uh, you know, with the mobs, uh, the French Revolution and, of course, the Bolsheviks war on private life and uh, so on and so forth. But, you know, central to all of this, what I call a machinery of loneliness that tyrants use to stoke that fear of isolation to get us to do things we wouldn't otherwise do. Um, you know, it's a. Uh, there's uh, a, the, the primary weapon of all of this. You know, there are three major ones, identity, politics, political correctness and mob agitation. But within all of them, you have something I call the demonization campaign and demonizing someone, which uh, has a huge effect on behavior, uh, causes people to shut up about what they believe, to even lie about what they believe and self-censor. And when we start self-censoring because we're fearful of those smears that are thrown, I mean, you know, the smears include things like bigot, hater, uh, you know, today you get anti-vaxxer, conspiracy theorist, uh, you know, all, I mean, all kinds of phobias and so on and so forth, terrorists, you know, domestic terrorists. So people are very fearful of being lumped in as uh you know, a demon and ostracized as such. And so uh, if if we're not really aware of how that works, we can't really build counter strategies. So I wrote the book 
to try to help provide some kind of a blueprint to help people understand this very natural, instinctive, really, um, behavior in us. Stella Morbido is the author of The Weaponization of Loneliness, How Tyrants Stoke Our Fear of Isolation to Silence, Divide, and Conquer. Of course, during the French Revolution, they didn't have TikTok. They didn't have, uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Paul Pot or uh, Mao Zedong didn't have Instagram and, and so forth. Um, how has social media made it so much easier to uh, to isolate people, to silence and divide and conquer? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that is such a, you know, a superb question. Uh, you're right. All of these historical u- utopian revolutions uh, were kind of set in a geographic location. They weren't global the way things are now, you know, with a global reach. And that's what these communication technologies have done. They've they've uh, really pushed the reach into a global, uh, you know, the, the whole global environment. Uh, and electronically, uh, and and also another way that it has a strong impact on people is the addictive power of these devices. I mean, youth in particular, they won't put their phones down. They won't, uh, quite often, they won't even talk to the person who might be sitting right next to them. They'll text them instead. I mean, there's these degrees of separation from real life being kind of uh, replaced by a sort of digital life. And at the World Economic Forum, there was someone there, I've forgotten her name, who talked about, uh, you know, how the metaverse will, you know, make us all real happy, you know, we'll be able to be wherever we want to be, the Grand Canyon or whatever. And uh, and that, uh, you know, but still in real life, then you're stuck in this one place and it's all like in your mind and, um and it can be very addictive. You get, uh, you know, the sway of these images that that surround you in 3D or, you know, whatever. Um, and this is really dangerous because it cuts us off from the relationships that we need, not only to be, you know, live in a kind of a healthy and, um, you know, a, you know, a civil society, but uh, it also cuts us it also allows tyrants a lot more power because then we are more atomized. We are more isolated from one another. And, you know, it's it, the reason the family and communities of faith and any real organic community have always been in the crosshairs of tyrants is because these these are the the places where we get our power, our real power to kind of unite with other people, discover other ideas and, and, you know, ripple outward for, you know, towards a civil society that doesn't really tolerate tyranny. And of course, that, that is a thorn in the side of totalitarianism. You, you mentioned demonization and mm-hmm. uh, I think through largely through social media, we have all, we're all guilty of this, of building silos around ourselves. So, mm-hmm. you know, filters, so we don't allow, uh, any other viewpoints to come in. We want to be, we want everything that we believe to be affirmed through the feedback we get from, from social media. And it's now come to the point where we demonize or even criminalize an opposing viewpoint. Uh, and this is almost fomenting. I mean, it seems like in the United States, like on the cusp of, of a non-shooting civil war right now. 
Yeah, it's really disconcerting, uh, this lack of tolerance for even engaging in a conversation that, you know, would it would include um, having to consider another point of view. And this is very, very dangerous. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's exactly where totalitarians would like us to be. And that's why so you see so many of the social media mobs. A lot of people would say they're bots, but they operate as mobs, whether they're real people behind the, you know, the account or a bot or bots. But um, and, and that's all meant to, to silence us and also to encourage that same sort of hostility that, um, you know, that elites might have towards a different point of view, anybody who goes against their narrative, to have mobs do their bidding by, you know, creating the the sense that you will be accepted if you are with the narrative and you will be rejected if you're not. And so that whole that that all plays into, um, uh, you know, very bad uh, end game. Uh, for tyranny over society. People have to be able to talk to one another and feel that they can talk to one another and exchange ideas. And when when you lose that, uh, whether it's through social media, the metaverse, or any of these other really atomizing influences, uh, you've lost uh, freedom, really. Stella, we'll take a quick time out, come back and uh, continue to delve into the weaponization of loneliness how tyrants stoke our fear of isolation to silence, divide, and conquer. Back with more of our conversation in three minutes. Welcome back to the Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960 AM. And we are back with author Stella Morbido, the author of The Weaponization of Loneliness, How Tyrants Stoke Our Fear of Isolation to Silence, Divide, and Conquer. And as you point out in the book, um, you know, they... We are subjected to uh, uh, demonization and censorship and cancel culture. And and uh, you talk about the criminalization of comedy and so forth. But the, the, the point is that we we are so afraid of being isolated, of being um, alone, that we comply with all of this, which just then feeds further into our isolation and, and uh, loneliness. Now, um, there was a book Rod Dreher wrote in, in 2017 called The Benedict Option, um, which was basically, uh, well, it was a strategy for Christians in a post-Christian nation. He was, and it's not just about Christians, but I guess people with similar values that, that we should we should separate ourselves and trying, instead of trying to um, influence other people, separate ourselves and build a parallel society. What do you think of that idea, given, you know, what's happening with, you know, this this uh, uh, weaponization of loneliness and this machinery to cancel everybody? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I did read that book and I, you know, I, I see some I definitely see value in stepping aside and 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 cultivating parallel, what they call parallel communities, parallel policies, parallel institutions. Um, that's absolutely necessary because, uh, you know, all of our institutions are, are corrupt. I mean, you know, education, the courts, you know, everything else, uh, with the exception of uh, there's still family and there's still faith and there's still community that we can 
uh, generate on our own as individuals. Um, the only issue I might have with that is that, you know, we don't live in the time of St. Benedict. I mean, you know, we don't, uh, you know, we can't just go to the 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 monastery at Monte Cassino and, and just spend our days not worrying about, you know, the outside world. Um, we're kind of stuck in it. And in fact, if we want to change it, we have to engage. And, um, you know, we, and, and we have, you know, with all of these, um, you know, devices and, and uh, the internet and all of that, uh, that's not to say we should become slaves to these technologies. Absolutely not. Part of stepping away is to, uh, you know, remove ourselves uh, from too much of all of that, you know, Twitterverse and certainly metaverse. Uh, we need to engage more in real life. And with that, I would definitely agree with it. We need to engage in real life, not fake digital life or or virtual life, uh, you know, not allowing that to, to take over. Um, and uh, but we we have to still keep a foot in this world. And I think he would probably agree with that. I don't, I don't know, but uh, I don't think we can completely isolate ourselves and then wait till the dust settles. You know, I, right. I don't know uh, that that, that will work, but I, you know, I definitely see value in that because I think that uh, one of the things I say is that our real power. And I think uh Dreher, you know, obviously, you know, investigated the same sources I did in the terms of the Czech freedom fighters yes. from the 70s, Václav Benda, uh, who talked about parallel policies, as well as a uh, contemporary of his, Václav Havel, who wrote that fascinating essay, The Power of the Powerless, that focuses on the hidden sphere of life as being, you know, where our power lies, where we uh, are able to build up uh, these forces of resistance, which are really relationships, family relationships, our faith communities, uh, true organic community where people, you know, uh, get together and, uh, you know, common interests and and uh, can cause this kind of a resurgence of civil society that Václav Havel talks about rippling outward from the hidden sphere. But that rippling outward means that there has to be some engagement with the world around you as well. It's particularly over the last three years with the pandemic and people coming on over on one side of, you know, mandates and vaccines and so forth that caused such tremendous rift. I mean, you know, during the Civil War, there was, you know, North versus South. But this time it's with, you know, it's right in our in our the Mason Dixon line is running right through our living room. Mm. So in some in many cases. So how do we is it talking about resisting this psychological warfare and, mm -hmm. and, and rebuilding the bonds between family and friends? How do we put this back together? It seems shattered. Well, yeah, well, first of all, we can't wait until things get so bad that you've got the mass hysteria that you might have had in these reigns of terror throughout history. You can't get you, you can't allow self-censorship to get to that point. Uh, I don't think we're there yet. Uh, we're very, very close, uh, maybe in Canada, a little closer than in the U.S. I don't know. But um, I think that we have to. Uh, first of all, you know, understand that engagement is uh, is necessary. And at the same time, and I think I, I'm detecting what the fear is of most people, 
that there are traitors in our midst. And there will always be traitors in our midst. That's, you know, part of the fear of uh, exposing what we believe. Um, but, you know, I think Solzhenitsyn wrote about this in the Gulag Archipelago. You don't want to wait until, you know, they come knocking at your door at three in the morning. You want to talk about these things ahead of time, you know, before they they take over the, the this tyranny. And um, so we still have, you know, checks in place, checks, you know, check, checks and balances in place. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they seem to be rapidly evaporating, but uh, we still have that to rely on and, and, and to rebuild. You have to use what you have. People are afraid of expressing what they believe, you know, for fear, of course, of that ostracism or even worse, you know, punishment, which you had mentioned during these mandates got really severe. And I know it's going to happen again. But uh, the, the, the thing to remember is that, you know, if you, if you start off in that hidden sphere that Václav Havel talked about, the hidden sphere of life, where there are people that implicitly trust you, but maybe they don't know exactly what you believe. You know, a neighbor or somebody you come across in daily life, but um, you, you have a sense that, you know, you like each other and so on and so forth. Um, but you don't know what you believe. You don't necessarily know uh, if you're on the same page or not. And Havel talks about that exact phenomenon in, in The Power of the Powerless. But in my view, one of three things can happen if you do engage. And I think it's really important to put your toe in the water and start engaging if your listeners haven't started already. You know, with somebody who might implicitly trust you but doesn't know, if you express your belief um, and you know, in a gentle way, you may be really surprised. I know I have been uh, when I just have decided, you know, I'm going to I'm going to say what I believe. And the first thing that can happen is that that person is so excited to find a like minded thinker, had been so isolated in their belief for so long that, um, you know, that they're very happy and emboldened by um, finding someone who thinks as they do. And so that's number one. Number two is you could just be engaging a fence sitter. And that's extremely valuable because you're influencing that person. And of course, the the main reason, the third possibility, generally the third possibility is why everybody shuts up. They're so fearful that that person's not only going to reject them, but rat them out as a, you know, one of these smears, you know, whether it's bigot or whatever. But I I would say that, you know, if you're dealing with someone who implicitly trusts you. That's part of, and you know, you trust you. You have that kind of bond of trust. What you've done there is extremely valuable because you will have watered down the the, the stereotype that is associated with that viewpoint. Uh, all three of those results are healthy for civil society. And, um, you know, and people over time, you can find there's realignments going on. You know, a lot of people have been uh, associated with like the far left are a lot of them are kind of waking up, especially very, you know, people who have a lot of influence, uh, even though they're trying to be shut down. Um, but, you know, Matt Taibbi, you know, yeah. 
the, uh, Naomi Wolf, uh, even um, the, the uh, you know, the Harry Potter uh, author, J.K. Rowling. Yeah. I mean, they have taken on wokeness in a way that we couldn't have imagined before. And and it is having an effect. It's having a, a, a greater effect than people realize. But it has to happen when people have the courage to to speak up. And of course, they have big platforms that makes it even you know, bigger. But just one on one. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African-Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African-Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. Call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy. Is where that ripple effect comes in. I mean, you know, you don't have to have like a platform of millions to make a difference. The weaponization of loneliness, how tyrants stoke our fear of isolation to silence, divide and conquer. Stella, a real pleasure. We'll have to do this again when we have more time. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. I really enjoyed talking to you, Richard. Likewise, Stella Morbido. All right. When we come back, a little Steelheads talk with Zach Bodenstein, commentator for the Steelheads. Back with more in a moment. The Bull Session continues on The Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Here's Hardy scores! And there it is! James Hardy, 1-0 Steelheads. And a shot, Tanania, and what a stop! Alessio Bellieri! Adams and Linky on a shorthanded breakaway in... Scores! There you go. Some play-by-play from our crack Mississauga Steelheads broadcast team. And Zach Bodenstein, part of that team, heard right here on Saga 960. Hey, Zach, how are you? Hey, Richard. I'm good. How's it going? Terrific. Thanks. So the uh, the Steelheads started their weekend uh, strong last night. They beat uh, Niagara Ice Dogs 6-2 on the road. Uh, Xander Vichia and James Hardy combined for seven points. Do you like these two guys playing together going forward? Yeah, it's a new look right now because, again, we talked last week after the deadline. This is a new-look team, team in transition, so to speak. They're still competitive right now, but obviously younger. So Vecchia's second-year player is going to move up, and he's familiar with Hardy because, of course, he spent his rookie season in Mississauga last year. Uh, these two play well together. You mentioned it. The numbers speak for themselves for last night, but also just the chemistry. Vecchi is a hardworking player. He gets to the front of the net. Hardy likes to shoot the puck on net. I think he's third or fourth in shots on goal in the OHL. So the puck's going to find Vecchia. These two can create some damage off the rush as well. We've seen that. And they do mesh well together. Uh, we'll see if they continue to do that because they do have some flexibility within this lineup. We saw Hardy play with Van Bolsen and Martone a couple of games ago. They have some flexibility, but right now that uh, duo seems to be clicking for sure. So Hardy and uh, Charlie Callahan named uh, the new captains. What's the sense or what is your sense of how the, uh, the guys in the locker room are responding to this? 
Yeah, I know for a fact, you know, talking to them, talking to the uh, the coaches, these are, of course, two of the veterans on the team, two 20-year-olds, overagers, but they have this presence. Not Their play speaks for themselves on the ice, but it really is what happens in that locker room. So it's great that you ask me because they are very respected. They're looked up to. They're considered leaders, of course. And, uh, you know, these are two guys who have incredible accolades in the OHL. James Hardy is now the best steelhead of all time statistically, and there's no way of disputing that. So, uh, you know, talking to the younger guys even, they say, like, it would be such an honor to be like these guys. And the outgoing captain, Ethan Del Mastro, some of the younger players too would say, you know, I would love to be like him or we learn from him. We look up to him. So, you know, we are talking about kids at the end of the day. We're talking about teenagers and then 20 year olds. These kids are impressionable. I know we were at, you know, 16 to 20 years old. And uh, these are guys that are, are certainly looked up to both on the ice and off the ice and really a good bonding experience. Great opportunity for these two kids who have certainly earned it. The coaches couldn't be happier to name these two co-captains. So let's talk goaltending. Uh, Zach Ryerson, Ryerson Leanders, another uh, good game last night. He stopped 27 to 29 shots. He's got a 909 percentage in the new year. Do you expect him? Is he the main guy going forward? You know, it would probably be Alessio Bellieri, who's just 18 years old. So he's an import player playing his first year here in Canada. He was the Swiss backup goaltender at the World Juniors out in Halifax and Moncton just a few weeks ago. He is pretty well the, the go-to guy. Now, he was battling injuries. He was battling fatigue. It was a whole thing with Alessio Bellieri. But now he is back. He looks fresh. And he had a rough go last time out. He was pulled in the second period, I want to say. It was either the first or the second period. But he's kind of found himself. You know, they're managing him well when it comes to workload and when it comes to some other mental things. They're just trying to get him settled in. At the end of the day, I talked about it just now. Uh, they're just kids. This kid's moving across the world to play hockey in a different country, and he's le- trying to learn English while he's you know, trying to adapt to this new system. Obviously, things are a lot different. And James Richmond, the coach, was telling me, things in Canada are a lot harder than playing in Switzerland. He played in Switzerland and he said that he was kind of discouraged with the lack of work ethic. So he pushes his guys. Bellieri is the guy, but it's so good to know that they have a 16-year-old goalie in Ryerson Leanders that is ready to go anytime he's called upon, whether he starts or comes in relief. I really can't remember the last time a guy who was 16 years old played this much goal in his rookie year, but that's what we're seeing right now. He's a special kid. He was the top goalie taken in the draft. And they've got high hopes for him. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't say he was the, he's the go-to guy, at least for this year, but he's a guy that is certainly dependable for sure back there. Uh, the North Bay Battalion in town uh, tonight to play the Steelheads at the Paramount Fine Food Center. Uh, second in the OHL in points and goals for. What's, what is uh, going to be the key for Mississauga to stop this high-powered offense? Yeah, yeah, they're going to need, again, it's a little cliche, they're going to need a, a defense by committee because this team can score. They're really, really good. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them win the East this year, maybe even the whole thing. They're that good. Uh, so, again, it's going to take a, a committee to shut all their top guys down. They made some moves at the deadline, even well before the deadline weeks ahead. So they are loaded up, ready to go for a championship run this year. Uh, but uh, goaltending is going to have to be good, whether it's Leanders or Bellieri. I'll find out once I head into the media room after this call. But uh, this is going to be a tough game. There's no doubt about it. They beat Niagara. That's great. But, you know, you see these good teams come in. We saw Barry last week. It was a tough game for the Steelheads. They battled hard, but a slow start kind of
kind of hurt them. And it all came down to goaltending and defense. This is a younger team in the Steelheads that are obviously faced with a tougher challenge of facing a good veteran opponent. And that's what North Bay is. So defense by committee is going to have to be huge. And you're going to need a great goaltending performance, to be honest, to beat a team like North Bay. So those are the things I'm focusing on tonight for the Steelheads. And we'll see if they can get it done against, again, arguably the best team in the league. All right, Zach, I'll let you get off to the media room and uh, we'll be listening tonight, seven o'clock, Mississauga Steelheads and uh, the North Bay Battalion in town, Paramount Fide Food Center. Zach Bodenstein, commentator for the Steelheads right here on Saga 960. Zach, thank you. All right, thanks. Have a good weekend. You too. All right. The great Greg Carrasco is next. Stay with us. Just having a little chin wag on the Richard Serrett Show. News Talk, Saga, 960 AM. Something's happening here. All right, that can only mean one thing. The great Greg Carrasco has entered the building. Host of the Greg Carrasco Show heard Saturday mornings, 8 to 11, appointment tuning right here on Saga 960. Greg, how are you, buddy? Very well, thank you. How are you? I'm terrific. I'm enjoying the theatrics coming out of the World Economic Forum. It's a comedy show. I just wanted to play a little something here for you. This is um, uh, from this year's WEF, World Economic Forum. Uh, Al Gore, of course, spreading his uh, climate alarmism. But, I mean, have a listen to this. The cheese has slid off the cracker. Have a listen. We're going to bring these emissions down. And and just to put the science in a, a slightly different context, People are familiar with that thin blue line that the uh, astronauts bring back in their pictures from space. That's the that's the part of the atmosphere that has oxygen, the troposphere. uh, And it's only five to seven kilometers thick. That's what we're using as an open sewer. If you could drive a car straight up in the air at interstate highway speeds, you get to the top of that blue line in five minutes. And all the greenhouse gas pollution would be below you. We're still putting 162 million tons into it every single day. And the accumulated amount is now trapping as much extra heat as would be released by 600,000 Hiroshima-class atomic bombs exploding every single day on the Earth. That's what's boiling the oceans, creating these atmospheric rivers and the rain bombs and sucking the moisture out of the land and creating the droughts and melting the ice and raising the sea level and causing these waves of climate refugees predicted to reach one billion in this century. Look at the xenophobia and political authoritarian. All right, he goes on, but boy. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Did you know that our oceans are literally boiling, Greg? (laughs) But, you know, here is the most interesting thing, and no one has ever been able to explain this to me, that uh, if if this was true, okay, and, and please, this is from a layman, I don't know anything. Okay, just look at it from that perspective. If this is true that uh, this, the uh, the oceans are boiling and the uh, the ice cap is melting, and uh, we are we are going to have cities underwater very soon, according to this alarmist nonsense. Why are banks still financing the most expensive coastline real estate around the world? Bingo! Stop making I, sense. Stop making sense, Greg. <laughs> I, I don't understand it. That's number one. Number two is that uh, all this uh, climate alarmism is met with the single biggest display of uh, hypocrisy that I've ever seen because this place, uh, this meeting is held in the middle of nowhere, so no protesters could ever get to it. And everybody flies in their private jets, uh, which is, I'm sure that uh, 
uh, what is his name? Uh, John Kerry and Al Gore yes. and all those guys yes. are flying in on their private jets, you know, spreading uh, environmental uh, nonsense. But the reality is that they all are contributing to the problem if there was such a problem. Um, and, and the last one is, and this is the one that really concerns me the most. When is it that as a, as a society, we decided that we were going to accept the corporate oligarchs and we were going to bow down to the corporations that seem to be pulling all the strings in this thing? Because, I mean, all the billionaires from this multinational corporations are calling the shots. And I don't think that it should be legal for our leaders to go there and take cues from corporations. When did that take place? Exactly. I agree with you 100 percent. No elected official should be allowed. It, for me, it's the same as, let's say, a cabinet minister flying off to um, uh, Venezuela to meet with um, the president there you know, for a conference on democracy or <laughs> or to attend a, a conference in North Korea on human rights. It's the, the, their values are not aligned with our values. It should not be permitted. I agree. Well, the, the, the unfortunate thing, Richard, is that we keep electing this, this leaders that, uh, and we keep bowing down to the corporation, which I never really understood. You know, it's such a, it's such a weird turn of events. It's like everything is backward these days. Uh, it, it seems like a conservative mindset is, is now, uh, <laughs> the, uh, the voice of reason. And it was, and back in the day, it was never the case. I mean, it was always the left that was crying for human rights and, participation and freedoms and whatnot. But now it seems like the right is what is doing all the lobbying for individual freedoms and, and whatnot. But um, I don't think that we should allow our leaders to go into a lobbying system because that's what that is. It's a bunch of corporations lobbying uh, to whoever they can manipulate at the highest level for them to, in, you know, ensue, you know to, to put forward policy that in, in essence, will benefit the, the biggest corporation with the biggest paycheck. Yeah. And our deputy prime minister sits on the board of trustees of the World Economic Forum. If that is not a huge conflict of interest, uh, I don't know what is. What's coming up on the Greg Carrasco show? Uh, tomorrow morning, we have, uh, you know, three things. The first one is we're going to address the car industry and this, the severe shortage of used vehicles that we have, Richard. Um, there are, you know, giant um, conglomerates from the U.S. that are coming into Canadian uh, auctions and sucking up every single used vehicle that we have available to us. And also, they jack up the price because we cannot compete. So now the vehicles that do stay within the Canadian soil, we end up having to charge more than, than we would normally need to simply because companies are selling vehicles to exporters into the U.S. That's a, it's a big problem. We'll, we'll be addressing that. Second, we have my personal financial advisor, Money Mike, coming to talk about what's happening with the, uh, with the stock market that keeps going up and down. It's like a yo-yo these days. And what to do to deal with the current uh, financial markets. And the last one, but not least, is how is it that males just simply stop exercising? You know, we don't do anything in our school system to push forward that masculine energy that we need to get out of our boys uh, to, for them to activate their, their masculinity and become what they were born to be. Uh, we will be addressing that in the third hour. So it's going to be an interesting show tomorrow. You know, on that point, uh, it will be an interesting show. They always are. That point, though, about like obesity. And yeah. uh, uh, I've seen, you know, people are tweeting these pictures out now on social media, uh, uh, a, a typical beach scene from the 1970s, even the 1980s. 
And everyone, everyone was so svelte and trim and in incredible shape. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, in the span of less than a generation, we have like 50% of the population morbidly obese. And I don't know whether it was Health Canada and the the FDA in the United States messing around with the uh, the food guide because I think they, with got the food guide. they got everything wrong. Yeah. I, I, I've seen it. And actually, that's been circulating in the web these days. And, uh, you know, a pack of Cheerios is supposed to be healthier than a steak. I mean, really? Exactly. Really? We believe this. But anyways, thank you so much for having me on the show, Richard. I'm looking forward to seeing you for dinner one of these days very shortly. And please don't forget to tune in Saturday morning at 8 to 11 a.m. to The Carrasco Show. There it is. There's something happening there on The Great Carrasco Show. And I will be listening. All right. Uh, when we come back, oh, you know what? Let's open up the phone lines. A little bit of time. 289-275-9600. 289-275-9600. I'll take your calls, whatever you want to talk about. And uh, we'll do that in about two minutes. Don't go away. Let's rejoin the conversation on The Richard Serrett Show on Newstalk Saga 960 AM. And you can join the conversation, 289-275-9600, 289-275-9600. And we'll welcome Michael in Toronto to the program. Michael, welcome. How are you? Okay, now I'm okay. Uh, we have only a few minutes. I noticed uh, several very peculiar things. Uh, that, uh, For instance, those chemtrails, everybody should know about them by now by looking at the sky and to know the difference between condensation trail, which is uh, in 10 kilometers high, uh, um, uh, fumes are evaporating into into nothing on the sky behind the jetliner. And then there are those chemtrails, which are actually spreading into the haze and about the same height. And peculiarly, they are always starting uh, just in the GTA area, and they are stopping past GTA area, and they are going crisscross over the skies, uh, over the GTA or Golden Horseshoe. Now, my question is, uh, why is it that nobody's paying attention to it? Because I want to know, uh, what do they spray? What kind of chemical composition is of the spray, which is creating possibly the clouds, but what else is in there? And who is paying for all that? And why is it done? And what's the effectiveness of it? Uh, and all, all, all together. Nobody's touching that. One particular thing I noticed last summer, I was walking about 10 p.m. at night, and it was a full moon night, where there were some clouds, okay, big clouds. And I looked up there and I was shocked because I actually saw between the clouds another came trail trace over there. And it was illuminated by the full moon. So I'm just shocked, like, what kind of clouds are they creating uh, for going heading into midnight? You know, so uh, I am starting to be very, very concerned about this matter. I appreciate the call, Michael. I mean, I, I've uh, talked quite a bit about chemtrails on another radio program on another radio station. And um, uh, it's been a, been a while since I've talked about chemtrails. I think there's some validity to it. I think there's uh, a real hesitance on the part of the mainstream media to talk about it. I know, I know many people have contacted me and have, have reached out to uh, I guess, environment Canada, or they've even called the, uh, the airport to find out what's going on. And of course, or they, they've called the local newsroom at the, the news station and they're dismissed as kooks. Uh, except now, um, people like Bill Gates are talking about a, a, a geoengineering program to, uh, place, you know, millions and millions of tons, I guess, of particulates into the atmosphere to dim the sun in order to forestall global warming. I mean, think about that. 
uh, and I've talked about this with Tony Heller on the program, you're going to block the sun or dim the sun using these particulates. Uh, and yet you're asking people to rely on solar panels to provide electricity. It's obviously counterproductive to say the least. So just because they're talking about geoengineering sometime in the future, and they're, they're talking about it quite openly, leads me to believe that they have been conducting geoengineering experiments and projects for some time. When they tell you they're going to do it, it means they are doing it. So there is something to these chemtrails. I'm not saying that every everything you see in the sky, and there's some strange patterns up there. It's like you're playing X's and O's with these jet airliners. Um, the only problem is, and people have theorized they're putting aluminum particulates into uh, into these trails. And uh, some uh, some other researchers that I've talked to have talked about uh, strontium and I think bromium. Here's the problem: you put aluminum particulates into jet fuel, it's gonna it's it's gonna ruin the uh, the engine. So I don't know how they do it. I don't know what they're putting in there, but I believe that some kind of geoengineering is taking place. And if that makes me a conspiracy theorist, then so be it. And now, your Lim Riddler answer and this week's winners. All right. This week's Lim Riddle was molars feel the stress. Molars express all the stresses they feel. Dull, boring jobs are a daily ordeal. Rotating hips with provocative dips. Wheat meets its match at the millstone and wheel. And the answer to today's Lim Riddle is, did you get it? Grind. Grind. And the first five to answer correctly were Amy Luhu from Toronto, uh, Duncan Ruxton in Thunder Bay, Rosalind Mitchell in Peterborough, Rob McDonald in Toronto. And the winner of a pair of Steelheads tickets uh, is Ryan Myers of Toronto. Congratulations, Ryan. You will... Uh, Watch, you'll get a home, a pair of tickets to the home game Sunday, this coming Sunday, the night, is that the 19th? Yes. Jan 19th. At, no, it's not the 19th. It's the, what is it? Anyway, this coming Sunday, this coming Sunday at uh, 2 p.m. at the Paramount Fine Food Center. All right. To get your Mississauga Steelhead tickets, visit the Paramount Fine Food Center box office or call 905 905- 502-7788, 905-502-7788. All right, that's it for me. My thanks to Jody, Declan, and Jacob. I'll be back next week to do it all over again, God willing. I'll speak with you on Monday at 4 p.m. Don't be late. Until then, I remain unbowed, unbent, unbroken. That's it. That's all. For more Richard Serrett Show, podcasts, blogs, and other stuff, go to saga960am.ca. Stop talking past each other and start talking with each other. We'll see you Monday afternoon at 4 on The Richard Serrett Show on News Talk, Saga 960am. Are you concerned about equality and fair treatment for African Americans? Do you believe in a future where our communities are safe from both crime and over-policing? President Biden's administration is making major decisions, and we need your voice to be heard. The proposed ban on menthol cigarettes is in its final stages of approval, and black and brown law enforcement executives have said it could have dire unintended consequences for African Americans. The clock is ticking. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414 and ask him to stop this proposed menthol rule. The ban on menthol could lead to an illicit market and increased crime in our communities. 
call President Biden and demand that he halt the ban on menthol until there's a review of the investigative findings. Let's make sure that over-policing and racial profiling come to an end. Call President Biden at 202-456-1414. Tell him to stop targeting African-Americans with a menthol ban. Time is running out. This message is paid for by Alliance for Fair and Equitable Policy.